Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Our topic today is the power or lack of power of relationships in the government acquisition world. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. If your organization is interested in training from a team of former contracting officers, go to askskyway.com and learn more about how Skyway can help both government and industry teams with the acquisition and contract execution process. Okay, here we go with a conversation about relationships. I had a prospective customer say to me once, we don't need your help. I have a friend who works at that agency. So depending on your definition of friend, that can be a good thing or, or a really bad thing. Number one, it could be a, just a loose acquaintance. It could be someone you, you know. And just because you know someone that works there doesn't necessarily give you advantage. On the other side of the spectrum, it could be your spouse or your brother-in-law that works for the agency where it actually creates a conflict of interest. And in that case, the relationship causes more problems than it solves. The truth is usually between those two extremes. What we're really looking for is option three, where you've built a relationship with that prospective customer. And the depth of that relationship is just enough. Kind of like Goldilocks. You know, it's not too hot, not too cold, <laughs> just right. In fact, we talked about the tactical part of how to handle this in episode 171. It's called arm's length transaction. And in that one, we got into what's the definition of an arm's length transaction. And, and so this it is really kind of the fun. title. <laughs> <laughs> this time we'll dig into the pros and cons of relying on a friend, an air quote friend. Before we do that, let's stop and say thanks. I'm going to say thanks to Wes Sturdivant. He's in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Wes, because he, he sent me a LinkedIn message that had targeted feedback, really detailed feedback about the podcast. He had recently found the podcast, had listened to a few episodes, and gave me his first impression feedback, which was really valuable. Because the best way for us to continue to get better at this stuff is to get feedback. When people take the time to tell us how they use our content, it helps us make it even more useful for our listeners. Thanks, Wes. Back to our definition of a friend. Let's start with the first category. This is the this is the loose acquaintance. I know somebody. I got a friend that works there. This is just above zero relationship. This is maybe you have their business card. You met him at an industry day. Um, as a government CEO, I was very leery of handing out my business card because I got into a list of people that I'm a loose acquaintance with them. Just because you have somebody's business card doesn't mean they're going to answer the phone. You, you can make all the calls you want. You can say, I know this person, but... It's, it's not really a relationship at that point. It's just a contact. Yeah, and a contact without context is, can be really kind of a waste of time. Because just because you know them doesn't mean you have an advantage. Right. It goes back to do you actually know them or do you just know of them? And I'd say having the phone number means you, you know of them. You may not know their kids' names. You may not know their whole history of their career. If you don't know a little bit more than just their name and where they work, you don't really know them. Without context on these business cards, I had a, a evaluator on one of the source selections I was managing. He was at an industry day and he was handing out business cards and he was telling people he was going to be on this evaluation board, which is a big no-no under, under the procurement integrity rules. So because people didn't realize the context of where he was in the organization, he ended up telling everybody what he was doing. They thought they had a friend 
in the agency. As it turns out, because of this, I actually had to remove him from the evaluation board. So the friend that they had is just another business card in our organization and had no impact on the contract that they thought he was going to be working. I think you see this kind of thing all the time at trade shows. People are out there talking and gathering information. You think you know somebody. If you don't actually have a relationship, if you're just picking up tidbits here and there, you may not have the friend that you think you have. And that friend may not have the influence that they think they have. <laughs> Let's go all the way to the other extreme. Option number two, this is, this is where the connection is too close. It's like, like the Icarus effect. You know, Icarus is the, the, the guy that flew too close to the sun and his, and his wax wings melted, right? So the connection can be so close that we're talking about family members, personal friends. You know, these are easier to see. But if these family members or these personal friends are on the source selection board, or for that matter, if, if you have some stock ownership in a company that bids, or you have a relation to a person who works for the company that bids, see how quickly this, this messes up. One of the source selections that I had, it was big enough that my boss had to evaluate it, had to approve it. But because she had, and I kid you not, an in-law who worked at a company that might bid, she had to recuse herself. So the division chief from a different division actually ended up having to approve it. But that's what we're talking about here. She said, there's a chance that they may bid and he works there, so I'll have a conflict. That's too close. And he's telling his company, don't worry, we got this. I, I know the boss. I, she's going to make the decision. She, she's my in-law. We're all good. <laughs> yeah, no context there. That problem is covered in FAR 3.104. don't want you to think we're going to get through an episode without quoting the FAR at some point. This is the section that covers procurement integrity. It's everything from how someone like your, your boss could recuse themselves from that acquisition to if it goes poorly and she actually makes the decision and her in-law's company wins, it could end up with the solicitation being canceled. It could invalidate everything, and then the, the mission, the users get nothing. Worst case, these are ethical violations that can lead to criminal and civil penalties. So people have actually gone to jail for this type of thing. And back in our day, Darlene Druyan was the prime example, actually got in deep trouble. She was in charge of Air Force acquisition, and she was a little too close to some of the companies that were bidding on the major competitions that she was responsible for. They actually offered her a job prior to her leaving the government. Turns out that's wrong, and <laughs> our legal system <laughs> looks down upon those kind of activities. Yeah, that's the other extreme that shows what trouble we can get into when we're, when we're getting too close. Well, let me caveat this, though. There are plenty of people that say that you know, I'm naive that I think that, that relationships don't drive all this. They say that a lot of work is won purely on relationships outside of or in violation of these rules under FAR 3.104. And yes, it happens. I get that. Given the sheer volume of contracts in the government, as a percentage basis, there's still plenty of these examples to make us think that this is how the process works. I think that all kinds of people are, are sneaking around 3.104. But the fact is, it, these examples are the ones that make the news. Like Darlene Dream, we're talking about it, what, 15 years later or more. 20. <laughs> we're <Yeah>. old. <laughs> and that was one example out of the billions of dollars that have been spent since then. Hundreds of thousands of contracts have been awarded with no issues. So the majority of contracts are not won this way. That's however number one. However number two... It, in the case that they are one this way, 
all it takes is one person. Sometimes it's the contracting officer. Sometimes it's a lawyer. Sometimes it's another contractor who sees the things that, in this case, Darlene Drillian was doing. They point to FAR 3.104 and go, yeah, you can't do that, and the whole thing falls apart. So my point is that's why this is so bad is that, yes, it sneaks through the fire line sometimes, and contracts are awarded this way. Because these rules are well-defined, if you operate outside of them, the penalties can be severe. And contracts get canceled. And at the end of the day, like you said, if we're not supporting the mission, that's the point of the contract. That's the point of the acquisition process. They get a contract to give a user something. And the bigger the dollar values, like many things in life, the bigger it is, the more that's at stake, the more likely that relationships are impacting the outcome and the more likely that these rules could be violated. So for a billion-dollar contract, there's more possibility that someone is going to fly too close to the sun like Icarus and melt down. Like you said, for the vast majority of contracts, relationships, the right level of relationship helps, but it doesn't win you a contract and it doesn't violate a rule. It's only on these big competitions where something goes spectacularly wrong that someone gets famous for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's infamous, I think is what that's called, yeah. In most cases, the process trumps the relationship. I remember, and I, I know I've told this story before, on a competition early in my career for an aircraft, there was one company that had this thing, had all the relationships. They actually got the money inserted in the budget so that we could do this competition and they could win. They could sell a couple aircraft to the government and they screwed up their proposal. They missed one small thing and all the relationships in the world did not win them that contract. We awarded to someone that met all of the requirements. They protested. They still lost because they didn't, their proposal did not prove that they met a requirement. So most of the time, the process wins out. And that's why it's so critical to understand the process. Now let's talk Goldilocks, back to the just right phase. The, the third option you laid out, where you want to be. This is where engagement is really what we're looking for. This is the middle ground that the FAR intends. It's building meaningful relationships between the government acquisition offices and industry. This is where we talked about the arm's length transaction. We need to have an arm's length transaction, but we still need to know each other. We can't be too close that there's a perception of bias or an actual bias, but we have to understand each other well enough to actually share information back to context, as if we don't say that word enough. <laughs> and, and the FAR backs this up. FAR 5002 talks about broad industry engagement, and FAR 7105A8 actually calls for industry involvement. That's what the, that's the intent here. Is that we're not we shouldn't be in one of those two extremes. We should be, you know, like you said, the Goldilocks. It's just in that right spot of what's the right amount of context and communication for the program we're trying to support through the contract. This balance in communication and, and contact, this is, this is effective. This is beneficial to both industry and government. This is important to get because this is where real communication happens. And for government contracts get better, <laughs> one contract at a time. I'll, I'll throw in a little plug there. But understanding where those two extremes are, we talk about a lot of times of knowing where the guardrails are. We've talked through the, the two extremes of not enough information is being shared to, oh, we're too close to the sun. In between there is a huge gulf of opportunity to talk. And I think sometimes people don't realize how much they can engage. And so use those two far references. 
when somebody tells you that you shouldn't be talking to industry. Right. We spent a lot of time talking about targeting and shaping in, in the government world. The real work where the relationship helps is when contractors and the government are working together to build requirements. And that is the time where you can actually impact your chances of winning. Once the competition starts, you have to follow the rules that the RFP lays out. Let's talk about when this occurs. If we're talking acquisition and execution time zones, in the acquisition time zones, this I have a friend, the relationship stuff, counts during the requirement zone and the market research zone. When that final RFP is released, communications are locked down through the RFP zone and the source selection zone until the end of the source selection zone. So then all of the relationship and the friend things don't matter so much because you're stuck in the process. Then after the contract is awarded, we move to the execution time zones. And throughout all the execution time zones, having this, this right amount of relationship is very helpful to contract execution and delivering what you're supposed to deliver for the mission. And this is one of the reasons that incumbents should have an advantage is if you've worked with the agency during a, during a contract for, for one year, five years, whatever, as the requirements being built, you already have those relationships. The trick is, as we talked about, you have to keep those relationships at arm's length. And that's why we had a whole separate episode about arm's length. Let's get back to why this, this friend relationship actually works. It's critical because if we dial up the relationship too much and ignore the boundaries of that are set out by the FAR and ethics, then we risk derailing the acquisition. You really, I mean, the contracts that, that were undermined, I'll say it that way, by the Darlene Dreen extreme, it, they, they, they cost the Air Force millions from billions over time. And the customer didn't get solutions as fast. On the other extreme, though, if we dial down the relationships too much, we end up in, I, I call it the paper war, where we're afraid to really talk to each other. And I've fallen into that more than once because I was so concerned about the lack of documentation we had during the performance of a, of a contract. When we recompeted it, I was kind of maniacal about how much documentation we had. You? Maniacal? I can't imagine. <laughs> we call that focused, I guess. And because of that, I was so focused on documenting everything that we lived via written documents and email. And we didn't actually talk to industry that much. And whether or not we had a, a better product, that, that's a different debate, but it definitely took longer. Yeah, you get back to every word matters and everyone is determining their own context based on what they read rather than really sharing the information in a way that only direct communication, speaking, even face-to-face -face, can, can share. Yeah, and the value of how that plays out is if we're talking through the requirement, like you said in the, the time zone, we're talking through the requirement and the market research zone, then when those words show up in the RFP, we have context on them. And we can say things like, so this word doesn't make sense in context of this conversation we had two months ago. Right. That's huge because now you're getting context before you award the contract instead of you know fighting through it in claims and <laughs> negotiation <laughs> after award. Let's talk about why the government cares about the balance between the, the loose acquaintance and the brother-in-law. And this goes back to fe the fear of being too close. It slows the acquisitions. It stalls innovations. And, and it, it generally inhibits better contracts, to be honest. So you can't live in fear of 3.104, which I've done that. So I know what it feels like. I, I can see that when, when CEOs are living in fear of 3.104. 
I'm afraid if I talk to anyone, I'm going to cross a line of procurement integrity. No, no, not, not at all. It, it actually takes a lot to cross that line. When you know right where the line is, it's pretty easy to walk up to it without crossing it. And until you release the final RFP, communications are supposed to be open. It's really easy to avoid the trap of influencing the acquisition by sharing too much information with one contractor or one potential contractor by sharing that information with all. But until that final RFP is, is released, you don't have to be in fear of relationships unless, unless it's a relative or you own stock or something like that like we talked about. The government team is likely going to want to be more on the safe side of that engagement because they know where that line is and they don't want to go near it. I also feel like in a lot of cases, the government team is less experienced not, and not that that's a bad thing, but we have a whole lot of young people on the government side now, especially in the contracting profession. The industry side often employs older, grizzled veterans of the government acquisition world, even retired government people on their business development team. So you go to an industry day and you have a contracting officer with five years experience and you have a business development person with 35 years experience. That experience helps relieve the fear of the relationships. You know how to work it. You know where the lines are. You know what information can be safely shared. Junior government folks, like, like we were, often err on the side of safety because of that fear because they, they haven't been through enough reps of the process to really understand that it's all okay and things actually go better when you communicate more. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't learned where those lines are. They, let me, they haven't applied the learning of where those lines are. Say it that way. That's another way of saying they haven't gotten scars yet. Yeah, I got, I got, a, <laughs> I got a lot of bumps along the way. That's why contracting officers aren't made in a day. It takes experience. It takes reps. It, it takes scars and, and, you know, and awards. <laughs> it takes experience to know, to know where those lines are. And hopefully this episode can count as one of those reps. There are just so many different situations that you can run into in the government acquisition world. It's so broad. It's literally buying and selling everything that is bought and sold. It's hard to be an expert in all of it. I don't know that there, you can be an expert in all of it. But the more situations that you see, the more opportunities you have to experience it, the easier all this gets and the less fear there is. Let's flip over to the industry side. Industry wants these communications, and they're much more comfortable pushing that relationship as far as they can, trying to get an advantage over their competitors. And in some cases, they push it too far, like offering government officials jobs when they retire in order to get favorable treatment now or inside information. Yeah, that's a little far. On the industry side, whole jobs, whole types of jobs that you can have are based on relationships. That's why generals, when generals retire from the military or senior executives retire from the government, they often get jobs on the industry side purely based on their relationships. It's these people know these people. They can open doors. They can get information. But there's a whole rule set about who they can talk to when, you know, you, you can't represent back to your former agency for a certain amount of time. There's a rule set to make sure those relationships don't go too far. 
but it makes sense. There's more at stake for industry because people actually get hired and fired based on these wins and losses based on business coming in. So it makes more sense that industry wants to, to push it farther. And sometimes bad actors push it a little too far. Before we push this episode too far, let's wrap it up. <laughs> That's a good one. On the government side, you can probably lean a bit further forward with open engagement and still be safely within the boundaries of 3.104. And on the industry side, you can probably lower your expectations a bit and you may not be as frustrated by the government seeming like they're being closed, but because you know, they're living within the, the realm of 3.104. For each acquisition, you know, each team, each individual who's involved in these contracts, you got to find the right fit within what we call option three, you know, the engagement concept. But understand that one extreme is Icarus, where you're flying too close to the sun. The other extreme is where you don't really have a relationship. You just have a contact. So in between those two is, is a lot of room for communication. And there's a lot of room for friendships. I left the government quite a while ago. I still have good friends that work for the government. And many of them work for the agencies that my company competes for business at. So it's very possible that I could be at a social event with people that work for the agency that I am submitting proposals to. We talk about work and business all the time, and that's okay. They're not going to talk about the specifics of a source selection that they're managing, and I know enough not to ask them and put them in that position and potentially derail the whole thing for, for my company or for their agency. It's like you said, there's a lot of room between those boundaries of I got a business card and this is my brother-in-law that's on the source selection board. Don't be afraid. I thought it was always a cousin. We used to always have the cousin example. Right. Did I go to brother-in-law now? Don't know why. You're mixing it up. <laughs> All right, Kevin, that's it for today. I'll talk to you later. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us today. If you have questions about whether your relationships in the government world have crossed the line into an actual conflict of interest, visit AskSkyway.com to learn how Skyway can help. We'll see you next week. Bye.